Hi, welcome to the Equip to Heal podcast. My name's Alistair Mitchell-Bacon. I'm an elder at the Gate Church in Reading. We're going to be looking at how we can encourage and equip people to get into the Christian healing ministry over the coming weeks. We're going to have a mixture of interviews with different people, as well as a chance for you to share stories and ask questions. So this first episode, I'm really pleased that we're joined by Yinka Ayakan, the Senior Minister at the Gate Church in Reading and who's about to become the president of the Baptist Union. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Alistair. Morning, Inka. Thank you very much for joining me. It's a real joy. It's a privilege to join you. That's great. Well, let me introduce you to my uh, uh, audience. Uh, on this, our first uh, Equip to Heal podcast, it's great that we can have you on the first one, Yinka. Yinka, for those of you who have not met him, is the Senior Minister of the Gate Church in Reading. He's also the International Spokesman for the Barnabas uh, International Fellowship of Churches and about to become the President of the Baptist Union of Great Britain from this... Oh, what yes, I... indeed. <laughs> it's uh, uh, going to be an exciting time. And you also head up the turning team. Uh, as well, don't you? Indeed. I, I, I'm not sure if that will have yeah. covered it all, Yinka, uh, in terms of an introduction. Would you want to say more about yourself? <laughs> Do you want to say a little bit Sorry? more about yourself? Yeah, yeah. I so I'm um, yeah. I mean, my background is I'm a Scottish Nigerian. I grew up, uh, did a bit of travelling in the early days as a young lad between Scotland and Nigeria, up until when I was just before I was five, um, back and forth. Remember uh, coming back over when I was four on the Oriel, which was a, uh, a, a ship that left Lagos and sailed uh, sailed to to the UK. It's interesting. Uh, but yeah, so I grew up um, in Scotland till I was nine, then went back to Nigeria, did my secondary school there, then kept to Scotland, did further education in, back in Edinburgh. And, uh, and where I got saved, became a Christian, which was the um, start of another adventure in my life. Wow. So, yeah. So, no, well, thank you. Um, so, uh, obviously, this podcast is all about healing. So, what, t- tell me, what yeah. do you see as the purpose of the Ministry of Healing uh, in the church today? Well, we've got to understand the, the root of healing. At the root of healing is atonement, isn't it? So the whole purpose of healing is a reflection of the heart of God for humanity. And that is that God wants to redeem us, completely redeem us, completely transform our fortunes from being broken. And and many of us are broken people and have broken parts of our lives to being whole. And of course, you know, until we're perfect, it's a lifelong journey. So healing in the church, the church has got to really not just passively embrace healing, but the church has got to be willing to aggressively embrace healing, even in the face of difficulties and defeat. Why? Because it reflects the heart of God. So um, when you look at how God mediated and and always provided mediators uh, for his people, individuals who would stand in the gap, be priests, help them know how to worship, yeah. how to connect. I think not only do we need healing in the church, we need healing ministries in the church uh, in, in the form of Aaron, who would stand before uh, uh, the people and the Lord and, and help them navigate what can be difficult terrain. 
And I think healing is 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 at one at one level it's really easy, at another level it's really complicated. So the church, the church needs to have a heart after God, and God's heart is atoning for our brokenness and providing us a route out of brokenness, and that includes great, healing. great. Thank you, thank you. So, and and how does it fit with your your personal passion around evangelism and discipleship? Do you think? Well, um, I'm really, really passionate. I may have spent my first few years um, in ministry, pioneering churches and holding healing services. Um, so, you know, I've, I've seen ex some extraordinary healings. But of course, in the context in which we're in, I mean, you know, it's really important that others, you know, it's not, you don't want a one man horse, uh, a one pony a race you you want the whole community yeah. equipped and, and and which is why i love what you're doing alistair because i believe god has given you a real anointing and a real passion and a real hunger for healing so you know the the, the he, healing for me is i'm extraordinarily passionate about it you know galatians three thirteen says christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us and and when you understand how much Christ took upon himself so that we could yeah. be free. Um, you know, he, he bore our sins in his, uh, in his own body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live rightness. By his wounds you have been healed, First Peter 2 verse 24. When we understand that Christ took upon himself, how passionate was Jesus? He took all our sins upon himself so that we could be free from sin and so that we could be healed. So, yeah, I'm pretty passionate about it. <laughs> And and I always think that uh, healing demonstrates both the love and the power of God in people, which is uh, why it's such a great tool in evangelism, because it, it points people to God's love that we ultimately see in the cross. And it points people to his power, which um, most importantly, I guess, we saw in the resurrection. So uh, when people encounter god's god's love and power through healing i think it's a, a great way into evangelism and and a huge boost for people's faith um absolutely absolutely and the person that mentored me don double who mentored me right. in ministry you know he was a healing evangelist um and an extraordinary healing evangelist I mean, the very first blind eye i saw healed was on one of his missions when you know and when i say i saw healed i mean i that I was involved yeah. in in praying for, um, and I was on his team. I was just a, a young Christian at the time. I went on one of his missions over in in Ghana, I believe it was, and uh, there was this. These parents came up with their little boy, and they came up and they said, "Will you pray for our little boy?" You know, and I was like looking. At, I was just not. You know, I was just saying. I was, I was thinking. Oh, um, the, the, the children's worker isn't here. Shall I go and get him? And they said, no, 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 no. We feel you should pray for our son. And I looked at these yeah. parents, kind of like, saying, oh, God, get me out of here. You know, I, you know, I, I don't know if I've got faith for this. You know, I'd, I'd love to have faith for this. But um, anyway, this little boy, you could see out of one eye, but the other eye was right. white. I mean, he must have been about eight or nine, something like that. He couldn't speak any English. His parents spoke English, but he couldn't speak any English. And so I kind of thought, oh, okay. So I got down to this level. I got down on one knee and I just closed my eyes and, <laughs> you know, I just, I kind of like, I was, 
I was like really thinking, oh, I'm going to let everybody down here. I'm going to let Jesus down. I'm going to let, I'm going to let the parents down, you know, uh, I, and I, when I opened my eyes, the parents were crying, the boy was crying, and I kind of suddenly realized I'd missed it. You know, by closing my eyes, I hadn't seen the miracle because the, the, the white eye had become just as wow. brown as the other one. And it was an extraordinary thing. Now, I, I, and I kind of, I, I learned a real lesson from that. You know, when God's moving. Absolutely. Church, well, that, <laughs> that is one of the things we try and teach people about praying for people. Uh, uh, learning to keep your eyes open to see what God is doing. Um, and as you say, you might miss, you might miss some really amazing things. Uh, wow. Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, obviously that's the first, that sounds like the first uh, dramatic healing healing miracle. And I guess that changed things for you when you saw that. Yes, it does. I mean, it, it, so so my struggle as a young Christian uh, brought me uh, brought me dramatically into the supernatural. So, because I struggled in my early days as a Christian was was compromise. So um, it took me about nine months to sort my life out. You know, I used to go to reggae club, dancing on the weekends, and then go to church on Sunday after I yeah. got saved. And, uh, and for, the, for the first nine months, I felt really like a hypocrite. I felt terrible on a Sunday, kind of went to church. I just felt guilty. And, um, and I got to a stage where I thought, I can't do this anymore. I'm a hypocrite. I, before, I, before I became a Christian, I, wasn't, I did what I liked, and I didn't get what anybody thought. But now I am a Christian. I'm a bit of a hypocrite. I, you know, I just felt really bad about myself. So I decided not to go to church. But anyway, long story short, some friends harassed me. They made me join uh, uh, prayer triplets to pray for our friends to get saved, and I couldn't get rid of them. So they just stood at my door and let them in. <laughs> That's good friends. Yeah. So yeah, they just stood there for 45 minutes. You know, and these are people I had had tea and coffee with. And, and they just would not leave. In the end, I gave up. And I thank God for them to, till this day. Anyway, so what happened to me was that led me to a dramatic seeking of God. God, why don't I have the power to live as a Christian? Why am I a hypocrite? Why, why, am, why are my sins much more powerful in my life than, than what you've done for me? That's what it led me to. And I began to seek God and pray 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 and pray. And then suddenly I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I did not know what it was. So because I was in a conservative evangelical Baptist church, which taught that the gifts of the Spirit passed away with the apostles. So I had no real understanding of what was happening to me, other than I knew that angels were around. I, I suddenly had this amazing, funny language coming out of my mouth. Well, the language came a little bit later, and that it came out of a, a dream uh, because because I started getting what what I first started getting was words of knowledge right. for the, for the elders in the church. I said, God spoke to me and said, I should say this to you. God spoke to me and, and revealing all kinds of stuff, and they, none of them rejected it. And these are, these were not charismatic elders because God was revealing secrets about their lives wow. to me. And so so and I would go, and one of them was a high official in Scotland in the, in, in the insurance industry. And I went up to him, I said, God showed me this about your life and you need to repent. And he went, he just, he sat down, he, this immaculate looking guy crumpled in his seat and said, Jinka, please pray for me. And um, so it was clear to me something had happened and shifted. I stopped going to the reggae club immediately. And, and about a year later is when I read David Peitch's book, 
because uh, so, it was then I discovered there were closet charismatics in the church and and they said read this book and I read the Pike's book and the following morning I woke up speaking in tongues so I I for me it was a dramatic uh, encounter in fact I then discovered these secret charismatics in the church that I didn't know existed and they started praying we started meeting together and they prayed for me and I got incredibly delivered from a demonic force um they had a when I was a young lad in Nigeria I was part of an ancient cult house and on one of the meetings with the group of us meeting uh, we were in our 20s they one of them had a word of knowledge about and and mentioned the name of this cult wow. house i mean it's incredible this is yoruba um it's incredible they mentioned the cult, the cult house name is is Ilady, which is um it's was founded at the founding of lagos so our family's been involved in the founding of, of so it goes right back uh, in, in, in history. And of course, I was part of that. I grew up in that. You know, I worshipped in, in that context. And you know what? I was, the minute this person mentioned the word, I began to manifest demons. And um, I just began to manifest. I fell on the floor. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on. And you know what? It's like, it was like a funny moment because the minute I started manifesting on the floor, they all jumped back and ran the walls. <laughs> <What? laughs> and from the safe distance, because we were all youngsters, ah. and we, we, were, we were all youngsters and, and trying to figure all this stuff out. And they, they were like, they were stretching out their hands from a distance, casting this stuff out. Now, it was, it's the only time I've ever really experienced a dramatic deliverance and all that. But from that platform, Alistair, that's why I connected. I said, well, I'm not going to be a Baptist minister. I'm going to go and work with uh, Don Double. And, you know, I'm going to, I want him to train me because I realized that there was supernatural power in the, that, that, that I needed to learn how to walk in in the church. And that's why I, I went to Don Double and signed up with him. So, yeah, no, so the, the blind person seeing was the first, uh, uh, I would say, extraordinary... Right supernatural miracle i was involved in but it was as i said in the early days of me trying to learn how to walk um but i had some i had some extraordinary supernatural yeah. encounters and interventions yeah. by god to help me walk as a christian right now that's that that's amazing and just to reassure folks you you are now a proper accredited baptist minister so the world that you know the lord has led you <laughs> through all of that process um, so so and that was in ghana i'm interested because uh, my kind of breakthrough experience i think in healing was something similar was in was in brazil um and and i i guess like you said why on earth can you not do such things uh, lord in our own country or or in the uk so mm. so tell me when you've seen some what's the kind of most amazing miracle of, that you've seen god do uh, of healing in the uk well, okay, so um, I don't know, some of you might know a chap called Jonathan Conrad. Jonathan and I were trained by Don Double. Jonathan is an evangelist. He's a science and wonders evangelist. He's got an extraordinary ministry in the UK. I just love him to bits. And uh, it's always great when I can catch up with him. But Jonathan and I used to pray. Um, we used to pray together. We would spend three or four hours praying early in the morning, uh, and then travel and go and minister together. And I remember on one occasion we were we were like really lost trying to find this rural, this rural idyllic 
uh, house church and we just couldn't find it. Anyway, we it was on down country lanes and all this in, in, in Devon. Anyway, we eventually, it was either Devon or Somerset. Anyway, we eventually found it um, and we were an hour late and they'd been worshipping for an right. hour. Now, what was amazing, you know, so they were like really grateful that we arrived. Now, what was really amazing was the first two people in the doorway, it was, the room was, it was like a farmhouse type of place, and the, but it was packed out. The, 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 the first two people were in wheelchairs. And I remember, you know, going in and, and you know, we were like crushed. Right. There were just so many people. But God, God suddenly gave me a word of knowledge and said, pray for that lady. And uh, this is, just, I mean, I mean, I could talk about many dramatic, uh, yeah, things, yeah. but this is one that just comes to mind. But, and this lady had been in a beautiful dress, flowery dress, um, must have been summer, uh, a beautiful flowery dress, uh, husband sitting next to her. And, uh, and I said, so I went up to, I said, I said to the pastor, pastor, God's give me a word, of, a word for that woman. He said, oh, praise the Lord. We've been, we've been praying that God would give you a word for her. And then right. everybody went quiet. The worship immediately stopped. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, you know. Um, so, because uh, what Jonathan and I would do is we would pray, we would seek God for yep. who we were going to meet. But this was a surprise to me because I hadn't had that. So anyway, I, so I walked up to her anyway and I said this, uh, and I grabbed her and I said, I said, give me your hands. I said, and, and then suddenly just came out of me, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And so she got to her feet. And at that point, people began to cry wow. in the room right. and weep. And I'm thinking, <laughs> why are they crying? Why? Because I'm thinking, why are they crying? Because, you know, I couldn't see anything wrong with her. I couldn't see anything wrong with her. I mean, the first two people in the room were in, in like, near the door in wheelchairs. But you couldn't see anything wrong with her. She looked perfect. So, but anyways, I couldn't work out where it was. So I'm, try I'm still trying to grapple with God. Lord, what am I praying about here? Um, you know, what is it you're actually saying to me? So that she said to her to get up and walk, but you know, she, she can always stand, you know. So I said, you know, walk. So she took the step and she said, hey, shake it. I was like, ah, so she's got shaky, you know, she's got some maybe arthritis or something wrong with her. So I said, no, no, you know, so I said, I'm praying, Shabba, Shabba, I'm praying for her. And then Jonathan says, oh, I think she's got a spirit of infirmity. So Jonathan prays and we cast out the spirit of infirmity. And then she's now walking freely. What we didn't know, yeah. right? What we didn't know was she couldn't walk. She couldn't walk. She was carried. She had had some kind of spinal oh, wow. problem. Uh, uh, she wasn't able to walk. Her husband actually, because they couldn't get her wheelchair oh. in, her husband carried her into the into the room and put her in the chair. Wow. If we had arrived on time, <laughs> I'm not sure. I would have had the courage. I would have had the courage. You know, but because I, I, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. So this woman had not walked wow. for decades. And now she was completely healed. That was, I mean, we, you know, in the early charismatic days of uh, flowing in the, in, the, in, the, in the tail end of the charismatic movement, I mean, they, they, these kind of miracles, I wouldn't say were common, but they happened a lot. Um, I remember in, in, in uh, yeah, so that, and that was, that was in, in the UK, but we've seen that we've seen blind eyes open here in the UK. We've seen um, deaf ears open in the UK. Uh, we've seen God. I mean, I remember one of the most dramatic ones, um, Alistair was 
uh, which was in. Oh, right. Yeah, I like Surrey. this one. Yeah. In and Surrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there were two actually. So there was a, there was a, there was a, an ambulance brought a woman uh, who had heard about Don's mission to to Chim, and she brought uh, a woman. The, the, the woman had come, the ambulance, and she was in all kinds of. She was strapped up. She was brought in actually on a stretcher, and she had all she, her body was strapped up because, uh, for some reason, the doctors had said, you know, she must, you know, she must maintain that the the the, the body armor, whatever they call it, that they, they put on her to to keep her, her her body in place, and she was supernaturally instantly healed. She she took off all the. I mean, the ambulance crew were a bit anxious because she took off all this yeah. stuff wow. that you know was strapped around the body and she got up and walked but the other one in that mission that was um uh that was amazing was there was this uh, uh young youngster that came forward with um warts all over i think i think it was a i think it was a a, a bloke it might be a girl anyway warts all over uh his arms and his face warts everywhere and I and it was an amazing moment um, because I said, youngsters, um, who's never seen a miracle before? And of course, a lot of youngsters all came forward. Um, there was about forty or fifty youngsters because this was right. a, a tent mission. Yeah. So we had a, a, an eight hundred seater tent up. Anyway, so it must be about um, thirty or forty youngsters came forward, and uh, they they. And, and I said, and as I prayed, in the name of Jesus, all the water wow. fell to the ground. Wow. All of them. It was. And of course, there was a few screams. Ah, you can imagine. It was an extraordinary thing to see. Now, those kind of miracles normally only happen in Africa. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know why it is so difficult. It, it's, it might be the intellectual stuff. It might be the the fear of offending. Um, it might even be the reliance on the NHS, um, which is a yeah. great institution, by the Amen. way. Thank God for the NHS. Um, but but it it it's it, you know. But in terms of we're talking about faith towards God here. Uh, you know, your bank uh, account can be a hindrance to to God moving. Your your reliance on people can be a hindrance to God. You know, so the, I don't know what it is. Certainly in Africa, there's a greater desperation, I would say, because people, the couple I spoke about in the beginning, they couldn't afford to go to Accra to see a doctor. Yeah. They poor. They couldn't even afford a bus fare to go to Accra. So, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I'm not quite entirely sure. Um, but I do know that it, it, the first step is the kind of stuff you're doing, Alistair. The first step in the early charismatic movement when I was involved in the tail end of it was the hunger and the desperation for God to move is that the heart is an invitation uh, for God to move. For the God, God comes like a dove. He doesn't impose himself on any of us. So I think the desperation has got to be in somebody's heart. And, and I think people have got to be really hungry for God to intervene. Wow. Um, and I think the minute God sees faith, the minute he sees faith, Amen. he responds. Amen. I, I mean, I would say that was that's what we see in South America as well, that that uh, that faith, that hunger, that desperation for God to move um, so that when words of knowledge are given, people respond in a way that that says, yes, that's for me. That's my healing and are healed there and then. And I've and I've only begun to see one or two cases like that in the UK. But 
same same God. We know he wants uh, we we know he wants to demonstrate his love, his power, his goodness, his kindness to people uh, in our country through healing. So, um, so final question, really, for you, as a, as a church pastor, as a church minister, um, what what advice would you give to other church leaders who want to see their church go into a greater expression of healing, but 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 may not have had um, all of the the kind of training and background that that you've had what, what would your advice to them be well uh, okay so it, it starts with jesus doesn't it in matthew chapter 10 verse 1 it says he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness so the, i think the first thing i would encourage pastors to do is to recognize that um, Jesus has already given us the authority to minister to the sick. And there's a death that's got to happen in, in all of our hearts, a death to our, our own personal prestige and pride, a death to our own reputation. If you want to see the miraculous, you've got to be willing to face the fact that you've got to grow in understanding with Christ. Just look at his disciples. You know, there were times when they couldn't even do what the Lord had asked them to do, and he'd given them the authority, and they came back and said, well, why couldn't we do this? And he says, well, this, this type of healing will only happen through prayer and fasting. You know, um, you know, there's much more to learn. So I, I would say to pastors is the first thing is being willing to die to personal reputation because it, it, it is, you know, because there's failure involved in the journey Absolutely. to learning. Yeah. The second thing is to be teachable, yeah. to be teachable, to look at, to, to look around and not be proud, to look around um, where there are, healing ministries and graces in your town, you know. In other words, don't be proud and say, I'm going to go get healing grace from Timbuktu when you've, when you've got healing grace and ministry in your town that the Lord has put there. Uh, work with local, you know, if somebody's got a healing ministry in your town, ask them to come and help you, ask them to come and train you, ask them to come and equip you. Um, uh, if not, you know, have a look. Um, certainly in your nation, there'll be, lots of healing ministries that you could build a partnership with that could help the church grow and develop in that. And suddenly you, Alistair, have put together a pack for churches. And I think that's exactly what churches need to do. Be humble. Okay. The pastor doesn't have to know everything or be able to do everything. And then the third thing I would say is that, um, you know, ha have a theology review. Um, if you're, if you're not building on the word of God, you're building on, human emotion and you're building on um, uh, uh, cultural expectations. So have a theological review and take your leadership through it. You know, we did that with evangelism, didn't we? We, we said, hold on a minute, why are we not doing mission? Well, and we re reviewed our view, repented, and then God sent the turning. So I, I think, you know, who knows what could come out of a theological review in terms of, hold on a minute, this is the will of God. This is the heart of God. And when if the, if a church does do three things, you know, recognize that there's a journey to go on, and there will be failure, and accept, you know, reputational whatever reputational hit comes, it's part of the journey of learning to be successful with the stewarding of what God has given. Secondly, to understand there needs to be humility. God has already graced people in our nation. Reach out to them. Get some training. Get some input. And thirdly, understand very clearly that at the end of the day, uh, your convictions govern your life 
And, and if you've not got the right convictions, it's like having the wrong driver. It will take you in the wrong direction. So, so have a, a look at your theology and make sure that you're being guided by truth rather than emotions or feelings or fears. So those three things, I think I would encourage a, a church leader to do and to, to, to engage with. On a per so that's a personal level, my own heart, my own reputation, the humility level, my willingness to be teachable and learn, and thirdly, listen to Christ, what he's already taught that's, us about these that's things. That's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. And obviously, we're in, we're in strange and difficult and disturbing times at the moment with the coronavirus. And uh, is there anything you'd especially want to say about how as Christians we can pray for healing in this current uh, time of fear and time of the coronavirus uh, affecting so many people either directly or, or, through, or through loved ones or, or the fear of, of perhaps it catching? Is there anything you want to say? And then I'm going to ask you if you could pray for folks at the end. It would be great, Inca. Yeah. It reminds me of um, uh, a time when the people of God were in, in lockdown. So the people of God were in lockdown. The destroying angel was around. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, and, and actually er everybody was being affected. And, uh, but the, 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 the saving grace was the blood put on the doorpost and the lintel. And I, and I do believe that actually... Um, you know, there's a time for each one of us to go. You know, when, when they tried to kill Jesus, they tried to stone him, they tried to... He, he, he made it clear, it's not my time yet. You know, it doesn't really matter what you try to do. There's a, there's, for those who walk with God, there's a time in God. And, and I think that's where we need to put our faith, that there may be coronavirus around, but God's got a time for me to depart this world. And until that time arrives... I'm holding on and in trust towards God that coronavirus will not take my life. And that's what I'm praying. That's what I'm believing. That yeah, I know I'm no different to anybody else. I don't think I'm in any way different, but I do put my faith in God that that coronavirus, and I plead specifically the blood of Christ over my life. Um, he shed his blood so that my sins might be forgiven and so that I might be healed. And so I, I, I plead the blood of Jesus over my life every single day. I, I, you know, coronavirus may be there, but I, you know, I stand under Amen. the covering of the blood. Amen. So that's, that's what I would encourage. Well, we, and, and as a family, we've been having communion each day um, just to remind us of that it's Christ that's done that and that's in him we put our trust. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, uh, that sounds great. Would you? Would you would Beautiful. you pray for folks at this time as we just uh, as we just yeah. come to an end? That would be wonderful, Yinka. Yeah, and um, for those of you who are listening, who've got hearing problems as well, I, 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 I've got a, a, you know, one of one of the things I love to tackle is deafness. Um, so, Father, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice who's got problems with the hearing. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for a supernatural release from a spirit of deafness. I bind infirmity in the name of Jesus, and I command those ears to open up and hear in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray, Lord, for all of us, that, Lord, when you give us opportunity to minister your life, your truth, and hope to broken bodies, Father, I pray, Lord, you give us the courage and the faith to partner with the Holy Spirit in order to see the implementation of the will and the kingdom of God into those wonderful people's lives, people that you love and you die for.
So Father, give us courage, give us opportunity, and Lord, help us to have an, a listening ear to what your spirit is saying in each circumstance. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Lienka, so much for your time. And uh, I'm sure we're going to get some interesting questions and uh, follow-up coming in. But I really appreciate your time. Thanks ever so much. Bye-bye. It's been a privilege. Thank Bye. you for having me. Well, this is testimony uh, time. This is where we get to share stories of what we've seen God doing recently. So please, if you've got a story you want to share, uh, please either email it into me or record it and send me the voice message uh, to the link that's uh, at the bottom of the podcast. Just whilst we're waiting for those to come in, just want to share a story. I got to um, speak in a local Anglican church recently, beautiful church. Um, and I was speaking about how God wants to heal people and, and uh, we just activated the church, taught them about words of knowledge, um, not something they were really used to and um, encouraged people in the congregation to bring a word of knowledge, including some people who, who never brought one before. So there was one great moment where there was a lady, um, by her own admission, she probably has some form of learning disability and she, she brought a uh, uh, word of knowledge about what she called a jelly belly. Well, a uh, couple of people responded and we, I prayed for the whole congregation and then I asked, anybody has changed? And this guy stood up and he said, I can't believe it, it's all gone. And he was just reported that he was completely well. And the, and the lady who brought the word of knowledge was just so bowled over and excited. And that same church, uh, somebody else, um, when, we, when a word of knowledge was given for pain in the knee, he said he felt God's power come and hit his knee, which was in pain. He'd had operations. He was going to need another operation. And it was healed there and then. This is amazing. And that's one of the first times I've seen in the UK people being healed just when they receive the word of knowledge. I've seen that happen elsewhere in other countries and, and taught on it. But to see it happen was brilliant. So that's just great stories. Send them in. Looking forward to sharing your stories too. Thank you. So this is the segment of the podcast where we get to answer your questions um, and you can send them in at the bottom of the podcast. So first time here, uh, we've got a question from David. David, what's your question? Why do some people get healed and some people don't? That's a great question. We get that a lot. Um, so I would say we often don't really know the answer to that question if we're honest. There's a mystery. I, I talk about and describe my mystery box. I'll talk about more than that in the book, and I'll talk about that in other weeks to come. But I think if you read 1 Corinthians um, 12 and 13, and in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit that is given out, including gifts of healing. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, he talks about love. And, and then he says about prophecy in the midst of that. He says, love will endure, and love will be there. But prophecy, you know, we know in part... And we prophesy in part. And I think it's the same with healing. We, we, we don't see the full responses. We, but we do see God work. But the most important thing is that we always bring healing, ask for prophecy and anything else we do in ministry, in love. The definition of ministry is doing the things that Jesus did in the way that Jesus would have done them. And therefore, they have to always be in love. 
So we don't know why some people get healed and some people don't. But what I do know is that God wants more of us to press in, to pray for healing for people more, and then we'll see more healing happen. Thanks, David. It was a great question. Hi, thanks for listening to the first Equip to Heal podcast. My name's Alistair Mitchell-Baker, and I'm really looking forward to you joining me next week when we've got an amazing interview with Joanne Moody of Agape Freedom Fighters. In the meantime, if you've got stories or questions you want to send in, just send them into the link below the podcast title. Look forward to hearing from you. God bless. Thank you.